This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Sydney Marathon presented by ASICS. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon Major. Be a part of history at sydneymarathon.com. Welcome to episode 294 of the Inside Running Podcast. It's going to be another huge episode. We've got Diamond League results, including Australian records, New South Wales and Victorian cross-country results to recap, and Eloise Wellings and Rory Darkins will be dropping in to chat about their Marathon State of Mind course, which will be made available to all those who have registered for this year's Sydney Marathon. But firstly, welcome to my co-host and captain of the Geelong Region Cats Cross-Country Club, Julian Spence. How are you, Moose? Mate, incorrect. I'm not the captain. Men's captain? Nah, not even close. Zach Gunther. Matt Gunther's got to be the captain. He's the one who does all the work. He's the heart of the team. Rocked up after getting out of his deathbed on Friday to, to jog around the course for points and drive the bus. So there's no way I'm the captain. You're the first cat though, weren't you? I'm the superstar of the team, <laughs> but I'm not the captain. Uh, and how's life down in Anglesey? I tell you what, last week listening, the first five minutes, I was about to turn you blokes off. All you did was whinge for the first five minutes. Yeah, well, it's been very cold today down here <laughs> on the beach. It's, it's, I went out for my run before, felt like 1.2. And that's, that's cold for the beach. Normally we're pretty mild here. Ran with Kieran, he was wearing a puffer vest for his whole run. I won't tell you what the apparent temperature is here or what the temperature is going to be tomorrow morning. Or how far below zero? Well, we got minus four and minus five coming up the next two mornings. Feels like or actual? That's actual. So it's going oh. to feel colder than that. Oh. It it's currently feels like minus one now. Yeah. But anyway, enough of that. Enough weather talk. Let's get to uh, introducing our guest host this week. He's a 210 marathoner, Com Games and World Cross Country representative and captain of the Bendigo Bats. And on Saturday, won the Victorian 12K Cross Country Champs at Cruden Farm. Welcome back to the show, Andy Buchanan. Hey, guys. How are we going? Good, mate. Andy. Congratulations on your win. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's always uh, it's always good to be getting back to those XCR races and didn't feature on the podium last time, so nice to uh, sneak in this time. Yeah, well, one of my questions, like, so last time we had you on was pretty much straight off the back of uh, Hamburg, like you're, you're still overseas. Um, so what's the last sort of few months look like? I believe it was a bit a bit slow to get going after the marathon. Yeah, it was. It's it's probably something that I'm getting better at um, in just, I suppose, respecting the marathon. I think these days with these super shoes, we probably, especially someone like me that hasn't done a marathon in the old school shoes, you kind of think you're ready to go, but you actually probably need a double 
the time you think you need. Um, and I made that mistake last year and I put myself into a, a pretty big hole that took a while to get out of. So the last, um, yeah, the last month haven't really done too much. I've done a few races, but I've probably this week will be my first week where I get back to what I would call normal training. Um, and I feel like on the weekend I've, I've taken a big step in the right direction in getting my, my fitness back to where it was because you kind of, you do the marathon and then you, you actually kind of want to lose a little bit of fitness because you want to have those two weeks or three weeks off. Um, and then it takes a little bit to kind of feel normal running again, then kind of get back to normal fitness. So yeah, I haven't been doing too much. Um, but yeah, doing a bit of racing now and starting to feel pretty good again. Was it hard coming back to some of those XCR races, like knowing you're not at your best? It was, but then you've got to just, I don't know, it's, I go along and, and do it for the team. So you've kind of got a different view. And I, like, I honestly was happy, as happy as I could be finishing fourth in Bendigo because it was just super good to see such a good field. And mm. I know Moose, you would agree with that. Like that's the deepest, it'll be the deepest cross country race oh, in yeah. Australia this year, Absolutely. apart from World Cross. Yeah, um, some really good athletes not featuring in the top 10. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or the top five, like the five to 10, it's insane. We should be getting interstate athletes come down and run these because that's where the best competition in the country is. Yeah, so I like I found it, I don't know, there's obviously a little bit of pride there, especially being in Bendigo, finishing fourth. But I was, um, last year I would have been pissed off, but now I'm kind of like, oh, nah, like I'm a marathoner now. So I have, I do these these set races and marathons and then it's kind of like it's this is a bit of fun on the side kind of thing so yeah it wasn't too bad and thoughts on launceston half like you must be reasonably happy like given the training you've been doing to you know finish second in what 63 low yeah i i really was unsure where i was how i was going to go and i thought looking on paper like some of those guys have some quick pbs but they're not near that form at the moment and i thought i'd being a shot to win it but I was just really unsure how I would feel um and I probably undervalued the half because you I'm so used to doing marathons like oh it's just 21k um so I probably didn't give it enough respect but I was I was happy with my result um I I really enjoyed it we had a good group of guides racing and you don't get that very often and there was I think four or five of us at different times and we're all feeling good at different points so we're trying to drop each other it was good fun and I wasn't I wasn't too phased about the time I really wanted to go down and win it so I was a little bit disappointed to get rolled but um, again big picture I haven't really been doing much training so I yeah I can't complain too much yeah during the um during the race well firstly on the start line who did you think was going to win and then at 10k who do you think was going to win um and then maybe at like 16k who do you think was going to win yeah so i thought ed goddard was going to win on the start line um i i honestly thought i could i could be up there um and so i thought it was going to be between me uh me and him and then at at 10k i thought uh tim vincent he looked super good was making all the moves was just like prance like he's got this style where he just runs on his toes and he looks really good and smooth isn't um, it yeah and i thought oh shit he's in he's in good form he's going to win this um and then probably yeah 15 16k i actually thought tim still and then um yeah obviously ed got the win so but ed ed strange like he he sounded no like he was yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but in more ways than what I knew, he sounded like he was working hard from like 5K, like just breathing and just he didn't seem comfortable. It was quite strange. And then he just um, he made the move and kicked away and, and dropped all of us essentially. So, yeah, kudos to him. And obviously he's got a, a big marathon coming up in – in two weeks time so it'll be interesting to see how he goes but it was um it was good fun and even riley cox was going to the front mixing it up and then um with joel like he's obviously ran uh one good race and who knows when he'll pull that out again so you never know what he's going to do the um coming into those races now i know you mentioned before like uh it's good to see everyone running well but now you're coming in you've got australian singlet in the bag You've run 210. Uh, you, what are you, national cross-country champion? You won that? Yeah, not for a few years, but I have, yep. A couple of times, yeah. So do you feel more nervous now considering that you are the one to beat? Like, And, and you are the one to beat. Like if we were going there on the weekend, everyone says who's going to win. Andy should win. It's, yeah. It's, it's harder to go to those races when you should win. Yeah, it's – I don't know – I. I do feel that, but then I try to change it into why are people thinking that? And it's like I try to pump my own tires up in a way um, and say, oh, people people think I'm the best runner here, therefore I'm. And I like to put a little bit of that pressure on myself, but try not to make it seem like it's pressure from other people. Um, and I think that kind of that builds me up and gets me into that right state of mind where it's like, yeah, I want to prove to these people that I'm I am the best runner here. So it's. But it has been different, um, and I'm not going to lie, I, I was going down to Launceston to get a bit of money and kind of I knew that no one from MTC was really – like I knew Brett was doing the 10K and I thought, oh, this would be a good, a good chance for me to win a race. But obviously it's really hard at the moment to win a race because we've got a lot of people running well. Um, but it's, it has – my mindset has probably changed a little bit, but I think it's helping me in a positive way rather than – me looking at other people going oh they're better than me and kind of not giving myself the the chance um well counting myself out before i even take a step in the race Mm -hmm. hey um andy australia announced their uh team for the world championships uh, later in this year for the marathon um and our only male representative was pat tiernan who i believe got picked based on like ranking points and things like that uh did you not nominate for world champs yeah, so I, I did nominate um, because with these things, you have to nominate so early. So I think I nominated back in, it might have been March or February. Um, and essentially what kind of happens is people just nominate for most teams and then it's kind of once you get to the date, you remove that nomination. Um, I nominated so long ago that I'd forgotten about it and did get selected um, from AA and then kind of had to remove my nomination. So therefore I, yeah, I'm... I'm really keen to focus on a, a fast marathon at the end of this year, and I think that's going to be the best step forward to try to get into Paris. So I was happy to forego a World Champs marathon because there, it's going to be um, yeah over in European summer. I don't think it's going to be a fast course. I just don't think it's um, the right setup for me, and I I really struggle to back up with marathons. Um, I can't do what kind of Brett does and what a lot of other people do like Aloise. Um, so I really want to put all my eggs into doing a, a marathon at the end of the year. And hopefully that's enough for me for Paris. Thoughts on this Moose? Cause I remember um, at a live show that we did at uh, Nike headquarters and we asked Jack the same question. I think Jack um, 
forwent a world championship to focus on the Olympics? And I think the question, you know, you asked him was it's like, well, it's still like an Aussie singlet and like what, you know, potentially down the track you get injured and you don't, you know, make that marathon at the end of the year and, and there yep. goes the Olympics. So, like, what are your thoughts, Moose? Yeah, I guess, Andy, like you're putting yourself on a pedestal to a degree and you're going, look, I'm an Olympian, I just haven't made the team yet. And and that's that's like that's just how it is with you and you have to make decisions around that. Uh, other people will be sitting there going, this is the world championships. Like this is the second best marathon I can get into. Um, of course, we'll argue about the Com Games versus World Champs marathon. But I, I, I think you're taking a pun on yourself by doing this. And yeah. uh, down the down the track, like ten years from now, you could look back and go, "Oh fuck, a second singlet would have been nice. I could have run that marathon. Could have been top twenty. A bad day. Could have run through the field. Uh, or." You could run two nine, two eight, get yourself a uh, like an Olympic singlet and have the best experience of your life ever. It, so it is taking a pun on yourself. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I agree, and it's it's something I spoke with Scotty, uh, my my coach, a few times, and and he um, he's kind of done both, and he's never actually well, he has done Com Games, um, obviously got into the Olympics on his last <laughs> last chance, essentially. And um, I don't know, I was comfortable with the position of possibly missing both to try to make the Olympics. And I, it's funny because this time last year, I remember Brett saying no to Com Games. And I, I was thinking, what, what is he doing? Why does he not want to run the Com Games? Like, why would you not want to run for Australia in a marathon? Like, that just seemed completely bizarre to me. And now I'm kind of in that position. So I suppose it is, I do understand both sides and, but for me, the Olympics is the holy grail, and I'll I'll happily miss the world champs to give that my best shot. So it's um it is a risk, and I fully understand that. But I think um, with my past and my um, lack of injuries and ability to do quite well in marathons, I'm I think it's the right choice for me. Let's be honest, Andy. After 2019, there's um well not a lot of value in a world championship marathon singlet. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, I didn't want to say that, but I feel like our the world champs. What we haven't had anyone, have we? Since uh, not since 2019. No, not not male. Not yeah, male. So. No one's made it. <laughs> no one's no one stepped up. Takes a real man to go. Yeah, I'll run in that that kind of heat. Mm. I'll 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 put myself on the line in 30 degree Doha heat. It was a good run, Moose. It was a good run in those conditions. Oh, um, yeah. So um. So going back. Andy, like, I feel, I think it it does offer you good experience, though, for championship running. And I think there's value in that because you've done a World Half Champs one, No, two? that got, no, that oh, got, got cancelled. Can- can- well, it, yeah, yeah. it didn't get cancelled. It got postponed and then it ran, but Australia didn't send a team. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've run a World Cross Champs, which yep. you ran pretty well at. Um and then Com Games, which you ran well at, uh, but like it is a learned experience championship racing, and it seems like there's there's, there's aspects to it that um that you can gain experience from. So you didn't consider that, like that it, you sort of like it doesn't. You don't have to like go there and try to run two ten. Yeah, it's I I 
I understand that and I feel like I learned a lot from Com Games and that uh, that was a massive experience and I was so lucky to have such a good team um, behind me and with me in St. Moritz and in Teddington and then um, in Birmingham where it was and, and I feel like I have I have learned a lot about that but, and then I think the Olympics will be on a next level. So I think it's um, – and world champs probably wouldn't prepare you for that Olympic hype uh, too much and it probably would be quite similar to Com Games because I was super surprised at how, like I was getting messages from people like primary school teachers of mine that were messaging me about Com, the Com Games marathon and I was like how do you you wouldn't even know how far a marathon is so it was quite surprising um, and I feel like I've learned a lot from that but it's just for me the big risk was doing a marathon in August and then I don't think I've got enough points to be um, confident in my selection for Paris. So I'd have to do another marathon and then that would doing getting, say doing another marathon early next year and then having to go again for the Olympics. I just don't think that would be the best way to get the best out of myself. Um, yeah. so it's one, one kind of view is I want to get to the Olympics, but then I also want to perform my best at the Olympics and not be doing my third marathon in six months and i i just can't do that with the um like i don't get as much recovery time as others and it's um it takes a fair bit out of me and i put a fair bit into it so it's yeah so that's that's kind of what why i decided to do it and i honestly haven't had any any regrets and when i saw the team was named i was like oh i'm not i wasn't really getting fomo i'm sure when it rolls around you'd be like oh geez it'd be nice to be over in um where is it i've kind of budapest budapest yeah Yeah, that's right. So I'm sure I'll get a bit of FOMO then, but yeah. And the advantage of skipping world championships is it sort of gives you two bites of the cherry to qualify for Paris because obviously if you did world champs, you wouldn't be able to do another marathon this year, whereas you could do one late this year and then if needed, you could probably go again like April next year, I'm guessing. Yeah, that is. If you need to. Yeah, if I need to. And then also uh, the I think the half marathon also qualifies as well. I don't think I could run fast enough to get enough points to then take out my 212, but um, there is those options as well. So it's not just the marathon, but yeah. yeah. Um, should we hear about his training week and his victory on the weekend, Moose? Yeah, go for it, Andy. Lovely. All right, let's see how we go here. So... Uh, Monday, it was a public holiday actually, King's birthday, which is great Great to have that. Always love a, a shorter week. So I just did 11K on the Monday morning. Um, I was actually quite quite surprised at how tired I was. I've, I've forgotten how much those races when you're, you kind of fly out Saturday, fly back Sunday, kind of driving back to Bendigo and you, you don't get much done. And I was, yeah, the body was a bit banged up and just tired. Um, so that was just an easy 50 minutes, pretty chilled. Jogged in the morning with the kids Tuesday morning. Uh, that was only 4.7K. And then Tuesday afternoon, did a session. Was pretty pretty keen to take this pretty chill, just um, having raced a half two days prior. And in Bendigo, we've got a lake that's uh, it's about 1,400 metres around. So we do this thing called lake laps, um, which is 1,200 metres on. And then you do about a 250-meter float back to the start, and then you go on again. So it's kind of you go around threshold effort. Um, got to the lake, had a nice big group, but they were they've built this flash new playground, and they're still doing some work on it. So they actually had some temp fencing 
on the on the footpath around the around the lake so we couldn't do a full lap so we just ended up doing six by 1200 that was nice and chilled had a nice big group actually um and just ran with the boys so that was very much just to feel um paces weren't anything too impressive just kind of running around three 305s for those 1200s and we just changed it to 90 seconds standing recovery rather than that float um so we, we actually ch- we actually chatted last week about doing workouts off the back of half marathons or yep. hard races like you race sunday um sunday would you race 8 30 or something no 7 7 30 805 yeah and so it's what 48 plus 10 58 hours afterwards yeah sound about right um is that something that like you're a coach uh, is that something you would schedule for an athlete it really depends i think on the level um and like i was running like my first uh my first rep was 309 pace and then we got a little bit quicker but i like i was kind of chatting throughout these reps and it felt it felt pretty good um so some of my athletes that would have raced on the weekend doing a half for that tuesday i'd often give them just a, an easy run but I feel like with my training load and training consistency I could get away with it and I knew that I would be honest with myself and if those boys decide to push I'd just pull back a little bit so um it is it is risky it's probably not something I would give for my athletes but I feel like at someone at my level I can I can get away with it and Scott had pretty strict instructions of just have it as a cruisy cruisy workout and I think it actually made me feel a little bit better just to kind of get get a little bit of that faster running in not really um like i'd say most of it was slower than threshold so you didn't have sore legs or anything after that no no i don't i don't pull up like a half i don't know just with these shoes like even after the cross country i don't get sore legs like i've forgotten what it feels like to do like you know when you used to do like 10k on the track and your calves would be sore for like two or three days afterwards like I just I don't get that anymore. So I don't know if that's the shoes or if that's just me. But it ain't just the shoes because I was fucking sore on the weekend. Yeah, you're so, a bit you're a bit older than me. I am. Yeah. So you've got something to look forward to there. Yeah. I don't know if you should be comparing yourself to Andy these days, Moose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're still doing the same running. We still run 12k cross country. If yeah, anything, but I I run a bit more than you. Yeah, but you yeah you run faster. You should be getting sorer. <laughs> but I'm out there for less time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Wednesday, uh, Wildflower Wednesday. So that was uh, that was good. It's actually um, it's nearly we're doing the full loop with head torches at the moment because we start at six thirty. So that's uh, I don't mind head torch season. It's good, but I I'd hate it if it lasted for two or three months longer. I feel like. When you get to the middle of winter, you're like, all right, I'm ready for this to end. Then it starts getting lighter, which is good. So that was um, that was just 90 minutes just with the group, so just short of 20K. All right, so question for you boys. This has been doing the circles on a couple of message groups. How much percentage drop in enjoyment of running do you get when you're running in the dark versus in the light? Uh, I'll go 30% less enjoyment in the dark there's actually times where i'll enjoy the dark more but oh, so you'll go plus you do a plus percent. no but that's only like if i do it as a rarity like if i'm doing it all the time it's at least 40 percent 
less enjoyable. The, the worst yeah. for me is warming up at like 5.30 at night when it's basically just turning dark. It's after work. You feel like you should be at home because it's dark and it feels like it's 9 o'clock, not 6 o'clock. That, that's the worst. I don't mind it so much in the mornings. It's more the, um, the afternoon, evening sessions that I have to do in the dark. Yeah, I never do sessions really in the dark, not, not too much at all. And yeah. dark sessions, very grim, but just easy running, I don't mind it. Dark sessions are a true blue-collar blue athlete, all right there. Yeah. Not if you've got lights on, Croaks. Well, That's different, mate. Yeah. Lights at the track, totally different. Don't give what me about, that. What about the odd um, odd street light up near Parliament House doing hill reps? Yeah, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. Uh, we've got we've got these new lights at the track, and I remember they turn them on for us on a Tuesday because they often have a race um, after us. And I remember one night there was there wasn't a race, and we were running around, we we're doing K reps or something. Middle of winter, freezing cold. They're really good lights, and a guy joined the group late, so he was about two reps behind us. So we all finished. We're like, oh yeah, this is good. And the guy who turns the lights on goes, oh yep, sweet, I'm heading home flicks the lights off and this poor bloke (laughs) was still doing laps and he still had like two reps to go and it went from just like the mcg to just pitch black and i was like fuck if if he completed that session that's surely extra fitness there because that would have sucked yeah you'd you'd get like two to three seconds a lap slower though oh in the dark it's impossible Mm, it'd be tough but did a double that afternoon, um, had a bit of, I go see an, oste- an osteo down in Melbourne, um, so did that on Wednesday and then just got out for an easy 31 minutes in the afternoon on Wednesday, running with the squad again Thursday morning, that was just 5.8k. <clears throat> uh, Thursday was a bit of a funny session, I was keen to tick the legs over but not do too much, so um, the coach suggested just a uh, 6k threshold with some strides these are just the hardest sessions because it's a bit of a nothing session not much motivation by myself um getting getting dark like i started that at <clears throat> i think it's about 5 30 um but that was that was good felt pretty good wore the Ciccone endorphin elites uh which i actually quite enjoyed moose what are your thoughts on those shoes oh yeah they're good they're they feel, they're in that upper echelon of super shoes mm. in, in terms of like a little more aggressive. Uh, mm. it, they feel very rocket and poppy. I like the fit. The fit's really nice for me. I got a numb foot after one really long tempo, but but that's that's maybe uh, I get that a bit in in those really stiff shoes. So yeah, I I, I like them. Terrible in the wet because you yeah. just slip. Like why would they not put anything on that? on that bit of rubber um but yeah so i just did yeah yeah, 6k 312s which was good then some strides actually felt pretty good during that which was good and then friday pretty chilled 12k um good fun good little loop which i enjoyed and then yeah saturday had the race which was um it's a long way down to cruden I think it's uh, probably about two and a half hours from Bendigo, so that was plenty of time in the car, which was, um, yeah, enjoyable in a way. And, yeah, I don't know, do we want to go into the race now or we'll do that later? Yeah, yeah. Tell, us, tell us how it played out for you. Yeah, so obviously with XCR, you just never know who's going to be on the start line. It's it's a bit of a lottery, but you always know there's going to be some good competition. So, um, 
Yeah, 12K, you've kind of got to be pretty sensible in that first bit. New course this year, so we did 2K and then 5K, 5K, whereas it used to be 4K, 4K, 4K laps. So didn't really know where we were going to start with um, and then, yeah, kind of figured it out after the after we got through all the laps. I I felt okay. I probably didn't feel as good as what I normally feel during XCR races because I think that fitness is still just lagging a little bit but felt a million times better than what I did at Bendigo. Very, very windy, um, which kind of changed how the race played out, I suppose. Uh, I went to the front just purely because I like running from the front with cross country. I think when you're running through those paddocks, it's best to be, be able to see where you can put your feet um, and I think you waste a lot of energy just constantly people slowing down for a pothole or something. Whereas if you're at the front, you can completely control that. So I went to the front and then realized how windy it was and realized everyone was sitting on me. So I was pretty keen to make them either work pretty hard to sit on me or drop them. Um, and I think Andres was the last one on me for probably the first 3K and then managed to get rid of him and then just, yeah, kind of ran by myself for the next. What distance was that? It was it would have been a K into that um on our second lap, so about three K. Three or four K. Oh that's early. Nice yeah. nice feeling to be able to like just you know cruise to the finish. Yeah, it is like and that's how I like running my races. I like getting that gap and psychologically they're kind of already giving up in a way and they have to run bloody hard to try to catch us. So it's um you just kind of go into kind of threshold mode after that and it's Especially when you're, I think a few times I was talking to Cash and he came second and I was out of sight for him. And it's just like, once you're out of sight, you kind of, that's, that's it. So, um, yeah, just rolled around and lapped a heap of people. So that kind of made it interesting because you just never know what side they're going to go on. And there's quite a uh, technical part through a hedge. Um, and I was always just a bit worried. They're going to like, you know, as they hear you coming, they go the wrong side and then you kind of, um, yeah, run into them but that was good fun um yeah so that was i don't even know what i think i ran 30 36 20 ish for the 12k felt pretty good um yeah didn't, I feel bur- like I'm, didn't bury yourself then nah definitely not um definitely not wished i didn't really want to often with these xcr races i really try to i don't know just just bury everyone else and and win by as much as I could, but I kind of thought with the half in the legs last weekend, there's no point in doing that. I just wanted to, just wanted to win it. Um, and then, yeah, did a bit of a cool down and then did two hours uh, Sunday morning, which was 26 K. Um, so it was a pretty good week. Actually, I couldn't tell you how much it was probably about 140 K I think. So yeah, pretty good week. Very good. And um, Gold Coast half, is that, that's next? Nah, so I'm actually doing a croaker and pacing. Yeah, oh. actually, Brady said you had some interesting news for Gold Coast. So, all right, fill us in. I love pacing chat. But the only thing that's different between you and me, I stole this joke from Brady, is this isn't my one big race for the year. <laughs> it um, it only, only got planned, actually, last week. Um, so, yeah, Ryan contacted – well, Ryan, actually, my coach, does the pacing up there every year, Scotty, and he actually said, oh, do you want to pace? So. Yeah, I'm taking the lead group through hopefully to 30K. Mm, wow. What pace have they asked for? 302s, which is 64, and then they're hoping to pick it up from 
yeah, either halfway or 30k to go mm. under the course record. Shit, who's in the who's in the going to be in the front group? There's some actually really good guys. Um, like I'm pretty sure there's two or three guys that have ran 207, and then there's a fair few 208 guys. Um, but it's probably the strongest Gold Coast field I've I remember seeing. So I think um, hopefully they all get to 30 and they all kind of um, yeah race it out. So um, question, you uh yeah. you if you won the half, would yep. you be would you be financially better off or would you be better off pacing even if you compared to winning the half? Yeah, I don't actually know how much the half um, is for winning, so I'm not sure. But Strokes will know. He knows all this shit. <laughs> I don't know how much the half is because I've never I've never won the half and never will, so I wouldn't know what you get for winning the half. But my – like obviously I'm going up there and I am getting paid and I – I spend a lot of money traveling to Europe a few times a year, so I'm keen to um, get a bit back on that. But I also am really keen to experience what it's like to run at that pace um, and to see, oh, shit, this is way too fast. Or if, like, it, I don't know, I'm hoping that it's not too fast. And it's also a good experience to be running at the front of a marathon, I think, because it's it's a pretty big marathon um, and a lot of people get out and support. So I'm actually really excited for it. Yeah. Are you staying at the race hotel? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's the start or oh, the elite fields here. So there's um four guys with PBs of 27.30 or faster. 27.30. Oh, sorry, 207. 207. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I think I think there should be a a big pack there. Um, which will yeah I think will be exciting. I think it'll be good to see and and hopefully one of them can um yeah go under that course record. Have you uh you got anyone to pace with? Yeah, so that was one of the things is when Ryan reached out to me last week, um, early last week, there wasn't actually anyone. And I said, look, I'm, I think I can go to 30, but I need someone to kind of do that first 10, 15K. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure we've locked in someone. I haven't heard that from Ryan yet, but I did a bit of work down at uh, Launceston and I think we've got someone that will take us will help me out hopefully through to 15k so hopefully i can just kind of chill i can just let them kind of be the person that's checking the splits and then they'll um peel off it at 15 and then hopefully i can go all the way through to 30. three grand for the win of the half marathon okay yeah i I won't i i wouldn't be getting um i wouldn't be making more money than the half winner okay all right all right moose take us through your week all right. Yeah. Well, um, I was just close behind Andy on the weekend, actually. So he was one of the guys talking about lapping people. Yeah. yeah I, I was going to ask him at what point did he uh, did he feel the relief of, of not worrying about me coming past? <laughs> um, uh, Monday, I would have run. Let me just get through some of that Noosa stuff. Um, yeah, I ran with Toby. I ran into Toby on my morning run. And he was flying past my house. I was, what was I doing? Walking the dog or something. And I said, hold on a second, I'll, uh, I'll go get my shoes on. And so I, I ran with him. So he was feeling better. It didn't work out the rest of the week for him, though. Uh, so I ran with him. I also ran with a couple of other guys, Hugh and Sam Hume. They were in town. It was a public holiday, so all the blow-ins come down over the long weekend. Jogged that Arvo as well, 
just 6k ran on some trails when i was when you feel shit it's nice to get on the trails just forget the pace a bit uh again just an hour on tuesday because the race was wednesday i um yeah just had to i had to go into geelong to do a, a workout before work so just some stuff with cars dropping kids at daycare that kind of thing not great here so did a threshold on the geelong waterfront um so parked at the gym ran down to the geelong waterfront i really couldn't be fucked for this like this was let's just get it done and and um <laughs> go to work i had on my watch face i even forgot when i, I started i didn't even have lap time showing so I, I had to kind of guess when the threshold was going to end so all i had was heart rate and i wasn't really looking at that either i was just sort of going to feel and on this on this workout my rp rpe like i was this was really high so this was quite this felt difficult for what was a lot lower heart rate than the than the week before so um, my average heart rate for the run for the workout section was 162 the time it was 22 minutes 12 seconds uh, i went up a hill a steep hill at one point which raised my heart rate and um, average 325 per k so that was actually faster than i thought i was going and then afterwards i did 10 by oh i don't know i forgot how many i forgot lost count of this i was doing eight second 10 second hill sprints so one two three four five six seven eight nine well i got 10 of them that's good on a hill a ramp just at the um geelong waterfront i really like doing these and this week I've decided, like I, I made a decision as soon as I got back from Noosa that I'm going to do strength work at least every second day and, and I'm going to do either surges, drills and strides or hill sprints after each run because I have zero change of pace. I feel super sluggish. Everything feels really stale, slow, stiff at the moment when i've done workouts like cross country is okay you can get round across country i ran 320s which was i finished a lot higher up in that race than a lot of people um that that should have been beating me but that's because i'm running 320s and you don't really need to go fast at any point well for me like my legs couldn't go faster than that um but I'm really missing the the gears, and so I'm going to work on that. So, like today, I did surges. This particular day, I did hill sprints, and after the first one, it just feels really good. Like it feels nice to to work those fast twitch fibers, which very rarely do. Uh, that next morning, ran 40 minutes, and I did a double. So I ran in um, Geelong, left kind of work's been pretty quiet, so I got out a bit early, four o'clock, and and ran down in some new shoes just tested a few out on the waterfront again in geelong put the vaporfly three on vaporfly and x percent three uh did some strides in it i actually was really surprised by this shoe because i am not a fan of the twos in fact i bought the twos and then only wore them twice i just shelved them because i i have five other shoes that are better than the two 
but the three doing strides in this, I got a totally different experience than what the twos give me. Now, Andy, I know you have a pair of the threes. How do you feel about them? Yeah, I actually wore them in Launceston, and I I like them, but because they definitely feel more stable, um, yeah. so they're quite good depending on where you're running. But I I'm pretty sure my left foot's like slightly bigger than my right, um, like only slightly. And I know a lot of people have that, and I've never noticed that in the next percents, like the twos. But then when I put these on in the half, I reckon I got to 16, 17K and it was like my left foot was like starting to go kind of numb and it was quite uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> so I'm I'm not sold on them being massively better. I think they're a slight improvement, but I think the sizing for me is just obviously they've changed it a little bit. And I think for a 21K, if I had to do it again, I'd probably go the twos. But I reckon a 10K, I'd wear these. They just feel... A little bit more of a rocker and a little bit more stable. So if you're going around corners, feel a lot better. Yeah, they're definitely more stable. I've that was a that was the first thing I felt doing a stride because normally I, that that narrow heel platform, I, mm. I tend to fall off that pretty easy. Like I, I don't, I'm I'm a pretty severe pronator, so my foot just collapses immediately, and that shoe was terrible for it. Whereas this one, as I hit the deck and transitioned mid stance into toe off i felt like a lot more controlled and and then i felt a lot more guts under the ball of the foot so that's one thing that i thought the twos missed i thought they were really flat i didn't feel any love like any excitement under the ball of the foot whereas this one there's a little more rocker and there's a little bit more guts there that's so, the thing i loved about the first one moose was i feel like the the forefoot was a bit spongier and you almost got a bit more back out of it yeah. than the than the twos whereas you said it feels for me, it feels more like just an old traditional racing flat where you can feel the feel the ground underneath you. Yeah, I, I I feel like that too, and I'm quite strong in how I feel about it. Yet I see everyone continue to wear them and love them. So I just wonder if it was me getting used to like the feel of the Alpha Fly and say the Saucony Elite. Andy is a lot of cushion under that shoe. Mm-hmm. The Rebellion Pro from Mizuno, heaps of guts under that shoe. So. I thought I was maybe just getting a little used to, to more shoe and, and it was in my head. No, the one was definitely softer and I felt like I could run faster in the one than the two. I, I, I use the two a lot for training. Like it's a great training shoe um, and I'd, I'd probably still use it over five and ten, but anything longer than that, I'd go like the Alpha Fly. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what shoe did you wear? Did you wear the Alpha for your marathon, your 210, Andy? Yes, yeah, so Alpha Fly 1. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the the OG, I still think that's the uh, ducks guts, and I'm I'm getting a bit nervous because I've only got two pairs, and it's like, oh, what do I wear for this 30k pacing? I don't want to burn too many too many of them. So hopefully the three comes out. I've uh, I've seen it and had a bit of a play with it, and it feels really cool. But you just never know till you put it on. I find the two's good, but compared to the one, I just feel the one that um, I feel like the heel in the second. It's a little bit too high and there's not as much drop. So therefore, when you take off, I feel like with me in the Alpha Fly ones, you take off and that air pocket just like literally pushes you forward. Um, yeah. So the second one has a higher heel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've got a date for the Alpha Fly 3. I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I did some surges the next day. I actually ran with 
uh, Ali and Hannah's, they were doing a warm-up. They were doing a workout, and so I just jogged with the um, the pooch and chucked the vapor flies on for some surges to finish. So that was the day before the race. So, yeah, my race, like, uh, well, I, I mean, I, I had a goal. I set myself a goal of top 30. I thought that was reasonable, and I came to that that number based off I thought less people would show up than Bendigo. <laughs> so I'm like, say 10 people less show up, then that gets me 10 places. Maybe the course being a little longer, I can sneak a couple of places from some younger kids that, that can't handle it. And perhaps I'm a smidge fitter for a couple of places. Uh, so I was, I was like a little more confident than Bendigo. So I went out, um, I had these shoes, I had the, I got some new shoes during the week as well. They're called the Nike Dragonfly Cross Country. So they, um, they're like a dragonfly, but they're a slightly wider base and they have a little bit of grip through the heel and the like forefoot. There's like a rubber topping to where the um, normal sort of plastic sits for the track dragonfly. And they have the spike that's like, more like a um, golf kind of stud it's like a, a, a triangle type or a pyramid that's quite thick and then with a little pin at the top. Uh, so I thought, yeah, these will work here. Um, and, and they did not work. <laughs> so the course was a lot firmer than I thought it was going to be. Quite a bit of time on gravel and, and some of the, the – even the, um, the wooded sections were just firm dirt rather than soft dirt. So at about 150, 200 metres in, I went around a corner and it was a bit firm. And these things, like, they are so thick under the ball of your foot. It's like running in footy boots, like the real studded footy boots. And, my, my, like, I was rolling my ankle all over the place. I, I, I immediately knew I'd made the wrong call. I should have just used, like, normal spikes. Um, but then we got into some of the muddier stuff and they gripped quite well for that. But yeah, my, like I felt like my race, I went out pretty slow and I remember thinking around 2K, I'm like, is everyone taking this really easy today? Like, am I around a bunch of blokes who are just tempoing it? Um, but I got slower and slower and slower and that's, my race just got harder and harder and I, every hill I went up, I, I felt like I had no power to push up the hill and and I would just... It was really sluggish. It turned into some really slow running up those hills. I I passed a couple of people in the first couple of K, um, and that's it. I only passed one other person in the in the next 10K. That was Tom Thorpe, and he ended up repassing me, and and I got passed by probably five people um, after that. So it was relatively lonely. Uh, I, I was chasing, a, I was behind a Glenn Huntley bloke like the whole way and he ended up burning me off at the end. So my splits got slower and slower. It wasn't very impressive. I had my eye on the first, the next Geelong bloke, Ash Hoffman. He was kind of someone that I was looking to hold off because it's always a race within a race when you're, when you're um, coming 27th. You need to find some sort of thing to, to stay competitive. So that was the Geelong race and... Yeah, I mean, I'm relatively happy with the, the position that I came, but I really wasn't happy with how I ran that. Like, 
it was just a slow death from before halfway, which feels a little pathetic. And it's a really difficult way to run a race. I actually wore my heart rate. So you can see like my heart rate graph sort of get higher and then higher. Like I'm running at the end, like 186, 187 beats a minute. And I do thresholds at, at 172, 173. So I was fucking working. Out you reckon there. you would have finished any higher if you'd gone a little bit conservative and didn't like die as much? Or you reckon you're just going to die regardless because you're just not as fit as you need to be? Uh, probably a little bit of that. Probably a little bit of both. I, I, I actually felt like I was really conservative at the start. Like I, I, there was a point where there was a pack that broke off in front of me. And I, I made a decision to hold back and thought, play it safe, come through later. And and so that was me probably misjudging how fit I was, thinking that um, I potentially could have gone with that pack, which I clearly couldn't have. And then just the lack of mileage. I just keep forgetting, like, not forgetting, but I just haven't um, had enough races that's taught me that 100K a week does not produce the same level of strength as 160k a week. Yeah. I'm still getting my head around that, and it's it's sort of like it's just a reality kicking in. You basically <laughs> experience on the weekend how a lot of like younger runners feel, where they go out because they've got so much just like natural speed because they're young. It's like this doesn't feel very hard at all, but then they don't have the strength behind them mainly because they're not running enough miles or don't have the years behind them and then they get like halfway through the race and they're like this doesn't feel easy anymore yeah and it just and it just you know becomes a grind after that yep and and speaking to the other guys like they all blew up too and because they maybe may, maybe my blow up wasn't that like it i can control the blow ups to a degree whereas some people blow up massively and then they get passed by like 20 people Whereas yeah. I got passed by I, five people. I think you've been hard on yourself. Like your slowest K is 3.29, which actually isn't. Like if you look on everyone's Strava, I reckon you've done what nearly everyone would have done. That's true, Moose, because I was like looking at your splits and I was about to like make some comment on our group chat about uh, Moose went out as if it was 2019, Moose. But then I looked at a couple of other people around you and everybody sort of ran slower in that sort of second half of the race. So I, I didn't uh, write that comment. Yeah, I, I did get passed by a bunch of dudes. Um, actually, Andy, now I'm not sure, I'm not, sh I can't be positive, but there was a there was a hill coming up to the finish line, like, you know, that grass hill yeah. that you hook around. Was that where yeah. the Bendigo Juniors were cheering at? On the, like, the 2K loop or the 5K loop? So the 5K loop, you know how you come up past the start line like you go on that yeah. same hill, and they, were they at the top of the hill there? No, uh, I saw them at the where the two k loop turns right, and then you go straight, and then you go down the hill, do a U turn, and then come back up. Right. Okay. That's where I saw them. Because there is a, like a chance that I was getting booed by a bunch of kids. Booed. Booed. At like at an, at an XCR race. At an XCR race, there is a potential that I was getting booed out there. At the first, so the first lap, I'm like, okay, this Glenn Huntley guy in front of me, he must be called uh, like, um, I don't know, Rui. His nickname might be Rue or something. They call it, they, they're ruining him, you know, like. And then the next lap, like there was quite a big distance between us. And I'm like, 
Hold on, are they booze again? Is that, Am I getting targeted for booze? And then I, I, I didn't get a good enough look at the kids doing it. But I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, oh, I wonder if these kids think that I won't go and fuck them up afterwards if I found them. Like, but you've and you you come in 27th. I can't see why you'd get booed. That's you're that, right. You're that far behind. And exactly, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, you realise I'm just a punter now, and that no one will care if like I recognise you in the car park later and find you. Um, and, and I thought that was pretty bold by them. If it is the people that I'm considering, and I'm wondering because you probably coach these kids. Yeah, well, I I do, but I I don't know. I, I can't imagine they'd boo someone, especially in an XCR race. Like, it's yeah. just, that's not, I've never seen that ever. Like, there's there's definitely, like, you know, when you, you yell out stuff, but, yeah, you have that connection with people, so you can, it's, but it's not booing. Like, I, I hate booing. Um, and oh, it's, there's, there's yeah. never been a time where you've, yet, where anyone's yelled something in a mm. running race that's been derogatory. Yeah. Like, no. There's all the all the fun stuff afterwards, warm up, cool down, banter, mm. whatever. But during a race, like there is a bond that everyone shares, where you're like, yeah, we're fucking hurting on that hill. Everyone's hurting on that hill. <laughs> yeah, not- that, and that's a rough part of the course as well. So I I don't know. I would really like to know, but I I highly doubt it. Uh, well, ask around, find out, just find yeah. out for me, Obviously. and then um, and then let me know. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it turns out that I got booed by a couple of Bendigo kids, oh, boy, I can't wait to the next cross-country race. Well, mate, we've got Eloise and Rory coming on soon. Maybe they can give you a few strategies to help with your mental toughness. <laughs> mental toughness? <laughs> I've got to yeah, that, work on my physical you. toughness if I'm going to take on a bunch of kids, three on one. Um, <laughs> I did a long run the next day. I was pretty sore. My ankles were sore. All the old man stuff going on. Uh, I ran 90 minutes, potentially. I fucking cooked it with this pair of shoes. I bought another pair of shoes that I really don't like. I bought the Asics Trabuco Max, which is a trail shoe. All our trails down here are pretty wet and muddy and shit. So I thought I need a second trail shoe in the mix, and I got this. And, yeah, I just don't like it. It's just not clicking with me. And the the, the heel cups pushes right in my Achilles. And after um, 90 minutes, I, I really needed to get them off. So I decided to call it early, 20K, it was about 105K or so for the week, which whatever, it is what it is. These cross-country races, they're knocking around my momentum though because I just don't recover from them. So I'm, I'm beat up Monday, workout, like I'm having to push workouts back and having to cut mileage, cut long runs. So, yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm cut out for a full cross-country season anymore. Yeah, it's a fine line, isn't it? I think they can be so wonderful in building fitness as long as you can handle it and as long as you don't go too hard. Whereas if it's if you don't have the fitness there prior to the season, um, yeah. and you don't you don't want to be tapering either, and you don't want to be missing sessions because then it's just like, what's the point? So yeah, that's right. You you it it's not worth three or four weeks of of eighty percent training. Although you do get you do get a good result from like fitness result from racing, you do. Yeah, you're sounding like the old veteran of the footy club that rocks up for the Saturday games and says, "All right, boys, I'll see you next Saturday. Don't don't expect me at Tuesday Thursday training." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's how I am feeling. And and on Sundays, geez, I'm out the back now. Like I used to be the guy pushing the pace on Sundays. 
now I'm the guy at the back, like yelling, snapping at people up the front to calm the fuck down. Uh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, all right, I'll whip through my week because we got um, yeah Rory and Eloise coming on in about 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, so I didn't recap my week last week because I was on the main show, but I'd come off like 173k. Oh, here um, he is. Yeah, I had a pretty good, pretty good week, and I'll. I mentioned on road to Gold Coast last week that I was in Wagga for my long run and it was like dead flat, like 100 metres of elevation in 36K. And I finished that run, didn't take any nutrition, averaged like 353s, but at the end of it, it made me realise the benefit of hills because my legs are more cooked after an hour 45 running 415s through mulligans than they were after 36K at 353s on a dead flat surface. Like you just just keep rolling and you, you're very efficient. So that was my takeaway from my Wagga um, long run um, on the flat. So Monday uh, back in Canberra, I did an hour, um, 4.14s. That afternoon just jumped on the treadmill for 35 minutes. The Tuesday session was um, 12 by one minute hills with a 90 second jog back down recovery. So we, we do these between old parliament house and new parliament house just because there's you know, a little bit of light because um, we start the session at 6 p.m. Um, and so the hill's not really that steep. Like it's it's probably somewhere between – it's probably 3%, 3.5% maybe, which means you can run up the hills pretty fast, which sort of it turns into more of a fartlek because you're having 90 seconds recovery, but because you're not running that far or because you're running a fair distance in the one-minute hills, you obviously then have to get back down. So – um, yeah, it was a good session. I didn't wear a heart rate strap, but I definitely felt like I was having some breathing issues, which I wasn't sure whether it was the heart or whether it was the um, just the cold air. Uh, but, yeah, that was the session. I think not the times are relevant, but it was like 3.05, sort of 3.10K pace on the on the hills. Um, so that was Tuesday night. Wednesday, got out for my midweek long run, uh, 26K, uh, 4.04s. And then I did a double run that afternoon, 35 minutes at 4.10s. Um, Thursday, back out at Mulligan's, 4.13s for 35 minutes with a few strides afterwards. And then my Friday morning session was five by six minutes with a one-minute jog. Um, and this uh, this started off harder than I thought. Largely, I think it was, you know, the cold weather, like it was pretty much zero when we started um and so my first rep was like 313s i thought that would feel a lot easier than it did like according to my heart rate like it was 151 average for that rep so like heart rate wasn't high but just perceived effort was a little bit higher and i'm not sure whether it was the cold um but also i don't know whether you guys find this like when you're in a relatively hard training block because i i've had weeks of like 160 173 and then i'm at the back end of like nearly another 165k week the first part of sessions can sometimes feel just a bit shit and then you sort of get halfway through the session and you almost like run out the, run out of the crap from, you know, the previous few days or the, the weeks and you start to feel good towards the back end of the session. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I get that a fair bit. And even like I'm pretty diligent with doing drills and strides before a session, but still that first rep is just mm. – I feel like halfway through the session, I'm finally warmed up and, and ready to go. So it's just, I think, changing those expectations and knowing, um, just going to effort. Yeah. So this went pretty well in the end. Like I went 313, 312, 309, 308, 304 for the six-minute reps, and I was jogging one minute in four-minute Ks. And, um, 
you know, heart rate, I think I averaged like 160 for the whole whole session. So definitely working towards the end, like, you know, the last rep was probably faster than it needed to be, um, 314s for the, the whole session. Um, then that afternoon got out for a second run, 410s, 35 minutes. And then Saturday, uh, an hour, 413s. And then treadmill, Saturday afternoon, 35 minutes. And then on Sunday morning, uh, met Rob, a guy that I coach, and Leanne um, Pompiani, and those two were doing like 30k. I was in two minds. Like on my program was like a, a fast finish as my last sort of solid long run before Gold Coast, um, and I only really decided after 30k that I was going to do it. Because when they finished, I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go a bit further. And then, yeah, I, I didn't press lap or anything like that. So I didn't actually know how fast I was running during the kickdown bit, but I did 30K at probably like four tens, four elevens, and then uh, 4K at like three twenties it worked out at. And that I, I didn't change shoes for that. I just did the whole run in the um the ASICs uh, Super Blast. So that was a, yeah, 34 and a half K at 404s um, for a week of 165. So um, yeah, like I'm pretty happy with like where I've got myself to now. So I'll have a couple of lighter weeks now, do a bit of pacing at Gold Coast and then hopefully come through the other side and, and get back into some training. Ah, uh, mate, you've trained harder for this pacing gig than any race you've ever done. Well, the one thing, I, I, every time I go to Gold Coast and do this pacing, I want to be as fit as I can for it to be as enjoyable as possible. There'd be nothing worse than doing a pacing job and getting to like 16K and you're like hanging on. And then, you you know, you can't think properly about the splits and like I've never wanted it to be that way. So I figure if I can get myself as, as fit as possible, get a good workout, you know, in at Gold Coast and then build like that will hopefully bring my fitness up a little bit further and then, you know, hopefully get stuck into a good few months after Gold Coast. Yeah, every every time you do this, I, I say the same stuff. I'm like, fuck, you're wasting this training. <laughs> Just get yourself in a race, mate. I want to see you run. I want to see you run fast. Well, I'm still not in like, I don't know what I'd run for a marathon. I'm guessing like low 220, like, you know, low 220s. I don't know, probably similar to last year. Yeah, chuck six weeks more here. Forget this pacing gig. Do six yeah. weeks more and you'll be doing all right, I reckon. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Both this year and last year, because I don't do a full marathon, because I haven't done a full marathon block, I'd still be left wanting in that last 10K if I was to race the marathon. Um, but I've got myself, as you said, into a position where if I had another six weeks of really marathon-specific stuff, I'd probably be going all right. What about uh, Sydney? September. Maybe. September. Actually, um, on Sydney. So when uh, when Jimmy came on last week and he was talking about like top five in the world, like marathoners, you reckon Kipchoge's coming down? Well, he could be. I mean, he's top five in the world. He's one of five, right? Yeah, it's a one to in dodge, five chance it's him. Dodge Kelvin Kipton by coming here. Kelvin's not coming. Kelvin's staying in Berlin. <laughs> yep. Yes, yeah, so I reckon. I reckon uh, Kipchoge could be could be the headline act at Sydney. Well, they'd want to announce it soon to get a bit of that publicity working for uh, working for them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Berlin, when did Berlin announce? Early this week. Yeah. So last week, yeah. Yeah, last week. So a couple of weeks later, Sydney will announce. Mm-hmm. And what about women? Bridget Cosguy? Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, be interesting. That'll certainly get more people on the start line for sure. If they announce that you know Kipchoge's coming and you get to, you know, run with him, well, not run with him, but be out the course with him. Andy, did you listen last week? Uh, I have, but I didn't get far that far in because I I think I only did like a fifty minute run. So I essentially just listened to you complaining about being up at the beach. I think that's all <laughs> yeah. I got through. Sore ankles, mate. One day you'll <laughs> know about it. Um, yeah, no, top five in uh, the world, both men and women, the marathoners, coming down to Sydney Marathon. Mm. I, but you really specify, is it like, is it one runner in the top five from like the male side and one runner in the top five from like the female? Like, it, you know. I, that's yeah. how I thought it was. Yeah, okay. I just can't see Kipchoge come in. Like Australia is so far away. Yeah. Like, I just can't see him coming all the oh, way man. down here. And he's on the, and he's he's not the, on the ambassador and, uh, oh, money train here. <laughs> but mate, he's on the slide. He's trying to. He's got to cash in now. He's not. He's not the top dog anymore. No, that's right. No, he. This is where the money's at here. Sydney <laughs> Marathon. They got plenty. They do anyway, have plenty. Let's um. Let's thank some patreons and then we'll uh get get Eloise and Rory on. Uh, do you want to go first, Moose? Yep, I have Tom Giles from Sydney. So he is a strength and conditioning coach at Up to Speed Athletic. I might Google that later. Uh, has goals of running sub two, oh, sub sub two eight hundred, yep. sub four fifteen, sub nine three k. Surely that's meant to say fifteen. No, nah, sixteen. Oh, I reckon if if we're going with the trend of of earlier, that should say fifteen. And sub 33, sub 74. So let's just play that out a little. Sub 2, you ever done that, Andy? Yes, I have, 155. Oh, wow, okay. Yep. Sub 4, what do you run? Mm, 15 or mile? 15. Yeah, 345. Okay, pretty good. Pretty good. And you've gone sub 8? Yes. And then sub-14, you've gone, obviously. Yep. What do you reckon is the hardest to do out of those numbers? Mm, well, I think it depends what sort of runner you are. Mm. Yeah. Sub-2 is pretty hard. Yeah, I reckon sub-2. Yeah, I'd say sub-2. For an but older runner, for sure. Strength and conditioning coach, you reckon he's one of them power athletes. Mm. They like – you'd think so. He's come close, though, Moose, on a couple – does he? Do you yeah. coach him? No, no. Read, read the next part. Oh yeah, ran sixteen ten on the track last October. Uh, Thirty three thirty at this year's Sydney ten. Well, this year that gets a tick. Um, Seventy five forty at last year's New South Wales half marathon champs. Yeah, okay. So he's uh, he's targeting the longer stuff though now, by the sounds of it. Yeah. That's where his results are at. Good luck, Tom. Yeah, good on you, Tom. Thank you. Who have you got, Andy? Uh, I've got Ivar Burgett, I think his name is, from Garen in ACT. Where the hell is that, Croaks? Garen. Uh, uh, so it's down, uh, uh, like, sort of in the centre of Canberra, down near the Canberra Hospital, main okay. hospital. Mm. Yeah, I've actually can stayed just, near there. Can I tell you a funny story about Garen? So Bree, uh, my wife, she went to school with a kid called Garen, and this is why. Because his mum, her name was Karen, and her dad was called Gary. And they're like, let's call our kid Garen. Let's just combine our names and call, call him Garen. 
That's the most Australian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Garen. Classic. I love that. Um, we couldn't find too many results, but he has ran, we believe he has ran 83.45 at the 2021 Western Creek Half Marathon. So Western Creek, that's also in Canberra. Is yep, that correct? Correct. Yep. yep. Consultant and director at Kia Consultant. Uh, and he's apparently spent time in the Norwegian Norwegian Army, which um, I I don't know. I feel like that'd be a pretty crazy army. Funny story as well. I work with a guy who used to be in the Bulgarian Army, and he said that he, he was telling us these stories. And he said back in the 70s and 80s, a successful training um, camp would be when they only lost a few soldiers. So when they only killed a few oh. soldiers, they thought that was successful. So I wonder if the Norwegian Army is similar to the Bulgarian Army. I'll have to get uh get Brady to ask Christian on the next monthly episode. Yeah, Norway I just feel like they do hardcore have things. Have they ever been in a war though, Norway? I don't know. No I idea. My well, Norwegian history is not great, Moose. I'm not sure they've been in the war at all. They're too high up. No one wants to go. No one wants to invade Norway. <laughs> too cold. Yeah. Vikings. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I know about um, Norwegian history. The Vikings. Uh, anyway, I've got a Norwegian shout-out to Frode Berg. Uh, he's got a 10K PB of 41.55 from this year's Dramen 10K, which I think is Christian's race that he puts on. Half PB of 94 minutes from the 2022 Jessheim Wintermarathon, uh, which was one minute faster than his PB from 20 years ago. Uh, and his marathon PB is 3.45. Looks like he does a bit of Zwift on the treadmill. Um, you blokes ever got into that? No. Oh, the guy who um, – one of the guys who was heavily involved in in Swift, he lived in Ballarat, and he um, came in and he uh, he told us about it. And then do you remember Sean Kravitz, Andy? Oh, yeah, yep. Or, yeah. Was, he a Ki- was he a Kiwi? Yeah, he was. He yeah. was. And he went to um, college, and then he came back and lived in Melbourne. Uh, well, he started working for Swift, and he came down to Ballarat, and he, like – um talked us through it he set it up on our our treddy down there and he showed me like what it looks like but at the time no one was on it mm-hmm. so you would like log in and you'd go for a run but there would be no other people there so it was kind of like a little bit pointless um whereas now it looks like there's people that are doing that yeah i reckon it could become a bit addictive yeah i think it's great for cycling but i don't know i never run on a treadmill so i never want to whereas with cycling they do a lot of stuff on there indoor trainers and that and i think it could be good and there's obviously a lot of famous climbs like you can do von two all that stuff but i just feel like running is just not it's not quite there but it could get good but then i think a lot of people with the cycling like they have like three week um tours and stuff like that on zwift for cycling but people will just lie about like what they weigh and stuff which then changes their whole like watts per kilo and i think it's pretty easy to like fudge results sometimes yeah that's true and does, so. does the Zwift change your um, incline on the bike? Yeah, so uh, it makes it be resistance. Yeah. yeah, the gear is harder. So you have to have like a, a proper bike that's linked to the to Zwift. Yeah. Or can you just put your own bike on and it does change it for you? Uh, oh, it kind of hooks uh, into a, a trainer that your chain that you put it through the quick axle at the back and then it. That trainer does that. Oh, okay. So you can use your own bike. You can use your own bike, yep. Yeah, right. Okay. If there's one marathon you do this year, really make it count. 
We're ecstatic to announce that the Sydney Marathon presented by ASICS is a candidate race for the prestigious Abbott World Marathon Majors. To help us reach our goal of becoming one of the world's best, we need passionate runners like you to join us on this amazing journey. Incredibly, we've already set a new Australian marathon record with over 10,000 runners who have already registered from all around the world. The Sydney Marathon now has more participants registered than any other marathon in Australian history. By securing your spot in the Sydney Marathon this year, you'll also be receiving over $1,000 in added value as part of our Sydney Marathon Candidacy Club. You'll be guaranteed a spot on the start line when it becomes an Abbott World Marathon Major in 2025. You'll get a free 12-month subscription to the ASICS RunKeeper Go app. You'll have access free to Eloise Welling's Marathon State of Mind training program, which is valued at $900 and save big on your hotel accommodation with marathon tours and travel. Run over the Sydney Harbour Bridge, finish at the Sydney Opera House, and help us join the ranks of a world-renowned marathons such as New York, London, Boston, Chicago, Berlin, and Tokyo. Grab your mates and register today so we can make history in the best way we know how, together. All right, let's um, try and give Eloise and Rory a, um, a call. This week's training talk is sponsored by the Sydney Marathon, presented by ASICS. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon major. Be part of history at sydneymarathon.com. And joining us, we have special guest Eloise Wellings, a two-time Olympian, and Rory Darkins, a mental skills coach, who have partnered up with Sydney Marathon to deliver a mindset training course which will be available to all those who have registered for this year's Sydney Marathon. So firstly, welcome Eloise and Rory. Great to have you on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, I might start with you, Rory, because we've had Eloise on a few times in the past, but um, I've heard a bit about you, but um, this is the first time I've got to speak to you. So do you want to sort of just introduce yourself and um, let us know what a mental skills coach does and, and what you do? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my background is in studying psychology and also um, particularly in the sports space. I've really been on a mission the last 10 or more years to understand how we optimise wellbeing and performance. Um, and so I'm just finishing up my PhD at the moment. Um, but in amongst all that, for the last or the best part of that decade, I've been um, working closely with LOEs and, and other elite athletes to help them optimise their mindset so that they can get the best out of themselves, achieve their sporting goals, but, um, you know, really enjoy that process as well. Um, and so I love that I get to do this and um, definitely a big geek on on all the science of, of performance and well-being. And you're a runner yourself. I believe uh, you're Eloise's pacemaker a lot of the time. Yeah, one of the, um, the perks is that we get to do all of our training together, um, which is a lot of fun and, you know, it's I've learned a lot um, through just being around Eloise so much and, and obviously training with her and uh, I've, I've loved the whole process of, you know, the, doing the build-ups for the various marathons that she's been training for and the, the Commonwealth Games and Olympics that she's been training for. So um, definitely love my running and amongst, and amongst all of that and, and privileged to be able to work so closely with her. Yeah, and uh, you two have like partnered up with Sydney Marathon to to bring this Marathon State of Mind course to um, all the people that are registered for the Sydney Marathon this year. Um, I believe the course starts on the sixth of August. Um, do you want to fill us in on, on on what the course involves? 
Yeah, uh, so the course has been basically being developed for a number of years now. Like, as Rory said, he's been my mental skills coach for the last eight years, I guess. And, you know, it's helped me so much just to be able to not only um, enjoy the sport, but obviously, you know, get, come back after having time off and, and and just, I guess, build the mental skills that are necessary for high performance and, um, and yeah, enjoy the process of, of doing so. And and we kind of thought, why, why don't we just why can't we make this accessible to everybody, um, to anyone who, you know, who wants to to run a marathon? And yeah, that's what we we got about doing. Yeah. And just to piggyback off that, um, I think the marathon in particular, as you guys know, is is a real metaphor for life. You know, it's such a such a, a challenge and it's, it's obviously a physical challenge and, you know, you, you need to do all the physical work to have a great experience with it. But you know, the mental part is huge with the marathon and I think there's there's no better opportunity to develop mental skills than by embracing a physical challenge and mental challenge like the marathon and and so I think it's this real unique opportunity to really um, develop mental skills that one help us to have a great experience and you know get the best out of ourselves um, in running but also transfer into other areas of our life. Hey, um, it's such, to me, this is such an interesting topic because it's just so hard to identify when the physical and the mental kind of um, cross over. So, for instance, like someone goes out really hard and they blow up and, and they have a terrible second half of their race. And, and they often say, oh, I was really weak mentally in the back half or, or like I, I felt like I quit. But but it was such but it's the physical side of it that's forcing that to happen so like how do you identify how do you guys talk about that because this like it's it's such an open question but i guess i don't really know anything about what you do so is that an example of something you work on oh totally you know i think the first thing to say with that is that the mind and the body are not separate you know like we're when we're out doing anything like running a marathon we're like us as a person and so it's really you know the mental skills in many ways a lot of them are about connecting in with your body and actually being in tune and so that you're actually better able to gauge things like what's the right effort for the stage i'm in and you know how to even pace yourself better because you're you're in tune with yourself and you're able to discern the difference between you know this is a normal feeling and i can you know i can i can lean into that versus like oh this is actually a signal to just back off a bit you know so and that's why I think the marathon is such a great time to practice the mental skills because for many hours of the week you're out physically doing something difficult and it presents all these opportunities for us to almost um, you know get to know how we speak to ourselves better and you know and to tune in better and to to learn these skills that then can help us to make great decisions you know that move us towards towards what we want um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely not a case of separating the mind, the mental and the physical and, and treating them as different things. It's just going, you know, it's using the an awareness of our of our um, of ourselves mentally, you know, to to better to get better results physically and also to be more, you know, more connected to what's actually happening physically in the moment. Um, and so much like so much of the mental skills come back to how can we actually be in the present moment? Yeah, interesting. It's really like, so as an example, like Eloise, um, 
like not going to your best. We're going to talk about something where mentally it might have got tough. So at Nagoya, you um, like you 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 took a punt. You went with a fast pack, um, and then things got difficult. Like what type of strategies do you employ, or what type of training prepared you for that moment, like mentally? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing that I've been able to gain from this sort of mental skills training is noticing my inner critic and and turning it around to become an inner coach and you know if I didn't if I hadn't have had those skills I can 100% categorically say that I would not have finished that race in Nagoya uh and I would you know and I would have run a, a lot slower I think the the skills that are the, the the ability to be able to notice your inner critic and not dance with it not um not engage with it and just notice it and um and turn the volume up of your inner coach and, and come up with some one-liners that mean a lot to you um is a skill and it's a skill that I've been practicing for the last couple of years when the pressure is on and you know that definitely that day in Nagoya this year was one of those times that I had to use it. And to be honest, the first time I ran Nagoya, I also needed to use it. The, 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 even though the races were going completely differently, I still had to use that skill. Um, and it's that skill of, of noticing, you know, you're in a critic and noticing what comes up and, um, and just being conscious of it, but not allowing it to um, impact me or um, affect me by, you know, um, then, you know, come, coming back with my, you know, my inner coach and my one-liners um, was able to help propel me forward. Yeah. So these one, these one-liners you talk of, um, are they like emotive things, things that, um, things that mean a lot to you? Or do you have certain one-liners that you use at different parts of the race, like early on, maybe calm you down a little or? Like yeah, that. I mean it's they're all like connected with my values and 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 also they're things that I know um you know they're basically it's basically it's how how would I speak to someone else that I really love <laughs> that I you know how do I speak to one of my best friends if I was standing on the sidelines cheering to someone that I loved and respected how would I be talking to them that's that's exactly how we should be talking to ourselves and that's what we've got to practice when you know when things aren't going well because there's such a um there's such a tendency when you're under pressure like that and when you're you know when you when you're not having as good a day as you had hoped and you know you feel like things are going to crap you know and you need to be able to um you need to be able to use your mind to be able to keep going forward and in a, in a positive manner. And yeah, that's, I mean, I know that finishing that day in Nagoya will, you know, like, as I said, I think I posted about it on Instagram, like it, it'll, it lays a foundation for, for the next good day. And, um, you know, we all have those days and I think the more that we can learn from them and the more we can, um, we can pr practice who we want to be when it gets tough. And I think that that's probably the main point is all these skills are teaching you is to um, work out and find out and discover who you actually want to be whilst doing the thing that you love to do. 
Um, and it's, it's the outcome and the result is, um, it's not irrelevant, but when you, when you be who you want to be in the race, the outcome and the result will, will take care of itself. And just to like, just to pick up on, I think it's such a good point. Like, so often the mental skills, you can think of them as like, you know, um, getting through, getting through and bouncing back from things when it's not going well. Um, but it's every bit as much about, you know, learning from and understanding what's going to give things the best chance of going well, you know. And so whether, you know, it's so that we know that come into a situation like a marathon, we have everything we need to get through whatever might happen and to, to get through in a way that we're really happy with. Um, and then we don't have to be as, um, you know, we're not defined by like, you know, the outcome being the be all end all we actually know that we've got what it takes to to get through that experience really really well and then give ourselves every chance of the outcome being you know as good or better than we hope it could be you know and so it's as much about high performance as it is about you know getting through difficult things and how's this um, Marathon State of Mind course delivered for those people that have signed up for Sydney Marathon and want to take advantage of it? Yeah, thanks. There's, um, it's been so great to see so many people who have registered to run the Sydney Marathon sign up already. Um, and the way the course works is it's structured to begin six weeks before the marathon and we'll have a weekly live call, so like a Zoom Zoom type call, um, which will cover a, a key mental skill, but also give the opportunity for um, some interactive Q and A. Um, and then one of the one of the things um, we're really proud of with our course is that we've got a, a very um, personalised um, online training platform, which is operates essentially like an app, where the individuals can be guided through. Um, you know, applying the mental skills in their in their training and in their you know th their daily life, and they can um, do their homework if you like, you know, um, in in a really efficient way. Um, so with some short um, short video resources, but also some really interactive um, sessions where they're guided to you know to set goals in a way that actually um, will help them to have a great experience and guided to you know to apply each of the mental skills and really um, make the learning that we're talking about their own um, as opposed to just you know learning a concept and, and then um, feeling like that's it it's like how does this apply to me how can I go test this out what can I learn from that and so that's how it's going to work in terms of um, the week in between each each call is like there's opportunities for people to go and, and work on their skills in their own way in their own time and, and integrate it into what they're already doing with their training um, so that come race you know come race day we know that we've got what we need we're, we've you know really refined our our understanding of what works for us and our mental game plan you could call it um, and so that race day is just this, this opportunity to go and really um, be present and enjoy the experience and, and give your absolute best or, um, you know, whatever it is that's meaningful to you on the day, um, you can you can know that you've got what you need to go and do that. So um, really excited about this, this community um, through Sydney Marathon that are going to be on this journey together. And uh, no doubt, Eloise, you'll be applying a lot of this stuff to your upcoming marathon, which is uh, less than two weeks away now. How's the prep been for Gold Coast? And um, what are you, any goals for that race? Yeah, uh, thanks. I'm 
going to be applying a lot of a lot of it, another opportunity to to go out and see what I've got. And um, yeah, the, the prep's been great. The prep has been probably my most fun uh, so far. We've just had, I don't know, we've just had a lot of, lot of fun um, doing this build up and um, it's gone really well. I've been able to, you know, hit um, most, if not all the, the training that was asked of me. And um, yeah, been a really good opportunity to practice uh, you know, the, the mental skills and everything, some of the bigger sessions. We did a uh, our last big workout last Friday um, and that was another opportunity to just practice who I want to be in the race. And um, the idea of that workout is that the last 5K will feel like the last 12K in the marathon. Uh, and I've only done, Nick's only given me that, that workout, I think three times um, so far out of, I think this is my sixth marathon. Um, so yeah, um, that was that was really good. It was you know as uncomfortable as it sounds, but uh, it was it was a good opportunity to to practice all these things. And yeah, really looking looking forward to Gold Coast and um, you know know a lot of people running and uh, it's going to be a really fun time up there. My kids are coming and hubby as well. And we're yeah we're just gonna hopefully go up and have a really good time. Planning on jumping on the uh, front pack pace group? Well, I yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what pace they're going at, but um, if they're going at the pace that I'm going at, sure, yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> the last I heard was around 72, but I'm not sure whether that's changed. 72 through half, that is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, good. Cool. All right, well, <laughs> thanks. Any more questions, Moose? Um, oh, one. So you guys train together. Do you guys do workouts together? Yeah, uh, so it's Rory and I do most of our workouts together, um, and we have we have a couple of others that come for warm up and uh, LJ and and Stewie rides a bike and uh, Harry, who's a pro- professional triathlete, he does a number of workouts with them with us and um, and Jake as well. So we've got a little crew, uh, but yeah, mostly um, mostly doing the big bigger sort of build up um, workouts is is just Rory and I. Yeah, and and so does Rory sort of coach you through the like during the workouts? Does he play a part in like some some of that chat? Ah, uh, coach me in terms of physically. Like um, good like you know mentally coach you like at the at the end of a tough rep is he is he helping you with mental strategies at that point, or are you yeah. guys just working hard and, and uh, there's no talking? It's actually we've we we actually bicker a little bit. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's funny because I um in in our workouts like you know probably the whole kind of outside of the workout is probably where we do most of the talking um and even like right before a workout we're really intentional about what we want to get out of it and what the kind of mental game plan is um but once we're in it I think you know it's it's more often about just being in it and. Um, and then learning afterwards, we're really conscious not to like judge as we're doing it because you know I think that's one of the big mistakes we often make is particularly in running or in sport in general is like if we're judging how we're going while we're doing it, it's not it's sort of getting in the way of of us um, getting the best out of ourselves. So, um, but that said, I, I do have been known to sometimes kind of intentionally throw a few curveballs <laughs> just to kind of add a few dynamics to the to the session that I you know that I feel are going to help 
how first I am. That doesn't <laughs> always go down. <laughs> <laughs> always Can't imagine moment, that would go down. I, I appreciate is I appreciate the thought, but yeah, it's. I mean, we as Rory said, we use the warm up in like intentionally as you know what what we want to get out of the workout and how we want it to go and ideally, you know, what we want it to look like and who we want to be in that, you know, what success is, I guess. And then, yeah, in the cool down, um, you know, kind of debrief it. And... Like every now and then I'll go, okay, I'm going to run this rep in the opposite direction. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just Which to go, just you're absolutely your... kill me. <laughs> well, thanks for, um, yeah, giving up some time tonight. It sounds like this program is going to be a success for all those people that have signed up for Sydney Marathon and um, no doubt see both of you up on the Gold Coast in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so guys. much, guys. No worries. Thanks, man. guys. See ya. Thanks. All right. Running news. We've got a bit of it. Moose, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Well, we're going to open up actually with a little bit of announcement. So Running Company Geelong with On Running and Inside Running podcast. We've got a treadmill challenge coming up. So what this is, this is a good chance for people to make some money. So, Andy, you love money. We've already talked about that. Um, <clears throat> this, You'd be interested in this, I reckon. So you've got uh, 10 minutes worth of running. Trade is set on 15%. And we've got 12 runners, 12 men, 12 women. And the furthest distance within um, that 10 minutes wins $1,000. What do you reckon about that? Sounds very challenging, and I thought Croaks would be flying down for it because he's the he's the main money man. But I don't know. I don't run on a treadmill, so I can't comprehend what fifteen percent is. How hard? Like, yeah, pretty it's pretty hard, mate. It's pretty hard, but it's ten minutes, and it's a thousand dollars, so it's a hundred bucks a minute. We'll just take our pacing money, thanks, Moose. But everyone else should get involved. I don't know. I reckon it's easy cash. It's easy cash. Five hundred bucks if you're second. Hundred bucks if you're third. We're gonna live stream it. Uh, it's going to be a pretty fun night, actually. On running, are going to—they're throwing the cash at it. So, uh, I like the idea. I mean, have many people sign up yet? Yeah, we've got some. We've definitely got some come through. So send your applications in. Uh, send them to well, hit up the, the hit up the um, running company Geelong Facebook page or Instagram page, and um, yeah, we'll let you know how to go about it but it's i think we're going to get a pretty good field here i heard some on athletic club people coming down uh and look a thousand bucks mate you can't go and win that every weekend that's 10 minutes andy come on mate i like i like the idea of it but it's just um i don't know i I reckon i'd be cactus after it i'd be like what you're like after an xcr (laughs) it's only 10 minutes mate you probably have to walk a bit and you still win money Anyway, All right, let's step up a level to some Diamond League and some Aussie records, hey? Oh, this was big. So pretty crazy, actually, this meet, Oslo Diamond League. We talked about a massive meet the week before. Now we're talking about uh, another huge one. So we had Jakob in the 15. Bloke's unbeatable. We say that every week. He's, uh, he's taken on a bit of a, a supervillain almost with some of his interviews as well. 327.95, he beat Mohammed Katir 328 with Yared Nagusi 329. So that's very top end. Eight people broke 330. Jakob, sixth all time there. However, Ollie Hoare, 
ran an Australian record of 329.41. So him and Stewie have sort of gone tit for tat a little on this. Um, now Ollie owns it, and uh, he's come seventh in that race, and he's run an Australian record. Like you'd think he'd run 329.41, you're sort of vying for the win. But no, he's like a couple of seconds back. Um, but incredible. Good to see Ollie snag a record like that, sort of being thereabouts. You watched this, Croaks? Yeah, I did. Like, in terms of Ollie's run, like, it seemed a bit bittersweet for him. Like, the interviews I saw was like, oh, yeah, no, like, it's awesome to run an Aussie record. But, you know, Ollie's a competitor, and so I don't think he's happy to finish seventh in a race, like, because he sees himself – well, he has in the last few years. He's pretty much been the guy that's been like on Jakob's um, shoulder for a lot of the race, and you know to be towed up by both of his training partners wouldn't have went down very well. Even though he, you know, does have the Aussie record now. Um, but yeah, like Ingebrigtsen, just he just seems to control the race, and like in most fifteen hundreds, you often see people like kick for home with two hundred. He just 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 grinds them into the ground basically and just gradually pulls away um but i want to hear more because there's been a bit of bit of mail lately moose about um a bit of a rift between the inga brits and brothers and their dad oh. and their dad's now coaching the other norwegian who ran under 330 um in this same race so i heard there's a bit of beef there and christian's holding it holding out on us a little bit oh well, no christian called me that night actually did he? Yeah, yeah. So we had a chat about this, and I can, I'm not going to throw him under the bus here. Um, so I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but he did give me a bit of a rundown mm. on the on the whole situation, and yeah, uh, I'll chat about it afterwards. I can't go on air with it here. It's going to no, be that's all right. Like, right. Well, maybe it's something that he can break on the monthly with Brady next episode. Yeah, well, That'd that be would good. be that would be like. That would be a big breaking news story. It's a, um, it is an interesting storyline there, though, that, you know, the brothers have broken away from their dad, yep. Gert, and now Gert's coaching this other Norwegian who has made massive improvements in the last year to the point that he's like, you know, he's not quite at Jakob's standard, but he's, you know, sub 330, you know, it mightn't be long yeah. until he starts winning. Christian calls him the people's champ too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Big man of the people, this bloke. They're getting behind him. I should I should mention what his name is actually. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah. yeah anyway, <laughs> it's um here it is. Narva Narve Nordas. Narve, yeah. Narve Nordas. Anyway, that's a name to watch. Take us to the five K moose. Yeah, um, huge again. Yomuth Kajalcha ran twelve forty one. So that's six six all time. Uh, yeah. Jakob Kiplimo, or perhaps he prefers Jacob Kiplimo. He ran 12.41.73. So they've given him, like, the same time here. However, Yomuth was given the win. Um, how do you go in front when it's exactly the same time? Well, they would have went to, like, the thousandth and then yeah. gone to basically the photo to see whose chest was across the line or touched the line first. Pretty insane. Um like 7.31 last 3K, uh, 2.24 last kilometre. So this is definition of kick down. You ever run 2.24K, Andy? I don't reckon I've run anywhere near that for a K. <laughs> and this this race was crazy. Like it's 
Oslo is becoming the new Monaco. Like it's, um, mm. and I watched it, and that stadium, it's it's pretty tightly packed, and it just looks like a massive event. And this, um, I was I was cheering for Kiplimo, and I thought he was going to hold on, but then Kajelcha just got him. That I think those longer legs just meant he could lean slightly more forward. But it was um, it was a pretty exciting race. This one, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was a third place, uh, Talahun Haile Bakili. 12.46. Um, Jack Rayner was in the race, your teammate. He ran 13.38. I think he was last. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. But he was never, like, to be honest, he started, like, at the back, um, was never really in it, like, wasn't, you know, attacking at all. Well, how um, could which, you be in the race? Yeah, when, no, he was last. Yeah, when they're running 12.41, like, I mm. mean, still – Quite a long way off what he would expect, you would think. 13.38, like, he's a 13.10 or quicker guy you have to consider based off his 10K. Yeah, he was yeah. running with uh, with coach, uh, what's his name, Henrik, for a while. Yeah. And I, oh, think, he? I think he ran 13. 13.18, 13, Henrik. 13.18, sorry, yeah. yeah. So he was running with him for a bit because um, I think he just knew that that pace out the front was going to be too hot, but then he just seemed to lose a bit in the last, uh, looked like last two laps. So, yeah, not sure why that was a little bit off, but. Hasn't been a great great start. Well, just MTC in, in, you know, like Stewie hasn't had a great start to the season. Jack now it's, um, yeah, it's been a rough start for that, that group. Do you know much, Andy? Uh, I don't know too much. I, I, I think Stewie's just struggling with a few different injuries. He was injured before he went over there. Um, but I, I don't know, you never never discount Stewie. I think he made the right call, though, not to go to Oslo. Um, but it would have been hard for him knowing that he, everything going to plan, he would have been in that race. And then to see Ollie steal his Australian record uh, would have been pretty tough. But it's, yeah, it was, it was a great race. And, I think Oli would have been most disappointed in getting third out of his training yeah. group, like running an Australian record and getting third in your training group. That's just – because I think he sees himself as that that alpha uh, male there. So, Well, I think he also sees himself as the guy that, like, he's the one that could actually challenge Jakob. And, well, that's how it looked last season, whereas now you're like, man, I'm finishing seventh. Like, there's all these other guys now that, like, I was beating last year that I'm, I'm not now. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we, or, yeah, not, not how he bounces back because he's in, he's in career best form, but, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how <laughs> the rest of the season. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and last, yeah, yeah last yeah, race. We saw an Australian record go down in the mile. So Jess Hull, she took her own Australian record. She ran 4.18.24. She was third in the race. Um, uh, won by Berkey Halom. It's 17-year-old Ethiopian. She ran 4.17.13. Corey McGee, American, 4.18. And, yeah, Jess Hull was in third. So Australian record again for Jess. Lyndon Hall actually under – oh, actually, it was Lyndon's record, was it? Yeah, I thought Lyndon held the old oh, mile okay. record. Yeah, right, my bad then. Um, so Lyndon, she actually ran un- underneath her own mile record as well. So she ran a PB in 4.19.60. I might have to so, fact check that though. No, uh, I think it could be right because yeah, Jess Hull broke her own fifteen hundred record. Yeah, and then this could have been Lyndon. So yeah, those guys sort of again tit for tat a bit uh, in terms of record breaking. Yeah, 
that Halom, she's a she's a star. She's only 17, and like she went, she, she was basically out solo. Um, they came back to her a little bit towards the end, but she had a massive gap with like a lap to go. Yeah, wow. Imagine having the confidence when you're 17 to do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Andy. A few domestic cross country results. Yeah. So what? There was some there was some good results in Oslo, but most of the attention <laughs> over the weekend was definitely on our XCR Cruden Farm. Um, so pretty good turnout there. Um, some good good results across the board. So in the men, uh, this is a bit awkward, but I was first. <laughs> and then, uh, Cashin, <laughs> Liam Cashin actually ran really well. That's probably his, I reckon, his best XCR result. I think it's his. I think he got third there last year, but this is his best result, uh, placing second, uh, 20-odd seconds behind. And then Lockie Hurd, pretty impressive race from a 15-3K guy. I actually, he come out with us and I thought, what are you doing, Lockie? You did this at Bendigo and blew up, but he actually held on pretty well for third. Um, and then in the real race, the the Bats got the win. Uh, so Bendigo Bats, they were 92. Box Hill, again, second 105 and western a's were 141 so that's um pretty close in the team battles there it's kind of if if someone has a an off day you can bleed a lot of points so it's good to see that that's getting pretty um pretty spicy halfway through the round and then in the women's pretty close race i'm pretty sure they interesting because the women start with the men and that would be chaotic because there's a lot Mm. of people on art lines and you'd be running as a woman not knowing where your competition is. Um, so that, I don't know, I'd, I'd be interested to know from these ladies if they actually prefer having the guys around or if they'd rather start um, by themselves, which is what they normally do. But Stella Radford got the win there. Um, Victoria, for, how do you pronounce this last name? Sonus. She finished second, which I think she was on the podium at, um, at Bendigo. And then Saskia Lloyd. Yeah was third um there was about 10 seconds between all three girls so they would have been if i was stella you'd be pretty nervous looking around and you just see guys and you'd be wondering um how close they are saint stephen's got the win 58 they have one less competitor than the men box hill second and glenn huntley third so um some big results there not sure where geelong finished they must have been a fair bit down Fourth, the, uh, right? Fourth. Down the table. That's that's a good result for you guys. You'd be happy with that. Well, yeah, pretty good considering that the I'm the first runner. Like yeah, that's, that's a real thing. worry. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a tight cluster coming in behind me. Uh, but we got no we got no top twenty. You need a top twenty if you want to be on the podium. Um, but yeah, tight cluster in the mid pack area. Yeah. Now, who are you for the for the premier men's? Who are you picking? Who's going to win the the premiership boost. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I actually think you guys will. Who's on top at the moment and what's the points difference? Yeah, so we've actually – so Glenn Huntley were on top because they won the first two rounds, but then they went missing at Cruden, and I think they finished fifth or sixth. So we've now gone on top. Mm. And then I think Western A's a second, Box Hill a third, and Glenn Huntley a fourth. But it's – I think there's four or five points between those those top four teams, so it's gonna be it's gonna be on. I reckon yeah. you got yeah, because you guys will go well over the um, 15k. Mm. Yeah, um, you you've got a few longer distance crew in there, not just kids. Yeah, uh, you'll be able to pull out the half marathon as well. Yeah, 
Um, perhaps not the tan relays. Maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you might will be good there. But have yeah. it, you'll have it sewn up by that by that stage. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But no, right. it's, I think it's going to be interesting. So that's. But yeah, Benny O'Bats back back on top. Which mm-hmm. uh, the the town was a buzz on Monday. It's like uh, all the footy clubs have won a premiership. That's how excited everyone was. So Brady, we happy with that little bat chat there. Uh, New South mute him, mute him, croaks. <laughs> New South Wales held their cross country champs. Was this at Nowra? Croaks? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, second <laughs> second toughest cross country course in Australia. Uh, Ed Goddard backing up. Interesting off a half marathon and then a cross-country race ahead of, um, yeah, ahead of a marathon in two weeks. I don't know. What are, you, what are our well, thoughts on that? Well, we'll go through the results, and I'll tell you what he did after this cross-country race. Okay. So Ed Goddard won, uh, won by about 15 seconds. Hamish Longworth was second with Harrison McGill in third. Um, all pretty close there. Ainsley Van Grand won the women's race with Katie uh, St. Lawrence, guessing that's Benny's wife, and Neve Allen was in third. So um, some good results there, but tell us what crazy yeah, so Ed did. From the footage I saw, Ed pretty much had this sewn up really early on and you know, probably tempoed it. Um, but then the next day, there's quite a famous fun run in Sydney called um, Mini Mossman. Um, and so he backed up Sunday morning and ran 30... 40 for a 10k which is like it's actually a, a hilly 10k um so yeah he raced twice on the weekend oh, geez, and I he's got he's... uh got gold coast in less than two weeks which um yeah brady's recording like right now their road to gold coast you'd hear all about that over there on patreon yeah that'd be interesting listening because i hope he hasn't burnt too many bickies because you want to go into that marathon with the the petrol tank in, in what about full... what about the lack of marathon training like mm. at some point, like running 10k road races, cross country races, half marathons, to me that isn't good marathon training. Like you're really missing a couple of key ingredients that makes a good marathon. Uh, but look, he has two or three coaches guiding him, so <laughs> it's in their hands, proof I guess. Will, proof will be in the pudding. And he and he hasn't nailed a marathon yet, so it's not like he can come back on those big. You know, when you've done a few marathon build-ups, kind of if you if you get a bit sick or you get a bit of a niggle, you can kind of rely on that strength that you've built from those previous ones. Whereas he's, I feel like he's never really done a good proper, well, what I would call a marathon build. So it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Will be interesting to see. You want to put a time? You're not going to be that brave. No, nah, I'll air. be brave. I'm going to say two fourteen thirty. Two fourteen thirty. Mm. You work what? Okay, what's he at halfway then? Uh, I reckon he'll be on two twelve pace at halfway. All right. No, he. he mm. I think he'll go quicker than that. Yeah, he'll go through. No, he'll go through half quicker than that, but finish slower than that. Oh, so what are you going, Moose? You're going like two fifteen. I'll go two fifteen high, but through in sixty five thirty. I'll give him a. I'll give him a two thirteen low. It's a tough course. I yeah. I well, weather's the, weather's going to play a part as well if it's humid or whatever. But yeah, he's Sydney though, so he's probably used to it a little bit. Mm. Anyway, I guess we'll find out in two weeks. Yeah, um, wait and see. Just a few other bits and pieces um, for the eight hundred fans out there. 
Uh, Joey Dang is back, and Peter Bowl returns to racing. So Joseph Dang ran 144.48 within the last week, which is his second fastest time ever, and only 0.48 off Bowl's national record. Uh, and Pete Bowl himself opened up his season with a 145.81. So good to see those guys both racing. Um, we spoke about it earlier, Moose, that there's going to be a world record attempt in Berlin by Kelvin Kiptum. Uh, but in other news relating to Kelvin, himself, Jeffrey Camworrell and Bridget Cosguy have all withdrawn from the world champ. So they heard Andy Buchanan wasn't going and they've gone, all right, if it's not good enough for Andy, I'm not going either. Money talks. Yeah. Money, money talks there. Don't yeah. know what Andy's given his other excuse, but these folks <laughs> and Bridget give up a million dollars to sign on to Sydney Marathon maybe. Maybe, yep. Well, I think Kipchoge's coming. Yeah. It here first. Uh, and then just some information from that was on last week's show that we didn't get to, just comrades. Um, yeah, this, for, for me, like this race always, every time it comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to get across there one year. Uh, they have 17,000 starters. Uh, and this year, Teda Dijana um, defended his title in 5 hours 13.58 and broke the down course record by more than four minutes. And Herta Stein, uh, or Stain, sorry, she ran 5.44.56 to shave nine minutes and 47 seconds off the record, which stood for 34 years. Um, Aussie Wayne Spees, uh, he, he's 50 and he ran the fastest time by an Aussie and finished 26 overall. He ran 5.42. Uh, and I believe that was also an over-50s course record. Um, and interestingly enough, Joe Fukuda, who's on the start list for Gold Coast, he won last year. He's a 209 guy. He was leading for part of Comrades, um, but faded to finish 20th. So it'll be interesting to see whether he actually backs up and runs Gold Coast in two weeks' time. Yeah, talking of interesting prep. Um, yeah. So every he's a different re- character, that bloke. This sort of race never appealed to you, you reckon, Andy, comrades? I reckon you'd be good over the hills. Yeah, I think it might later on in my life, um, but not when at the moment. When you're my age. Yeah, when I'm old like like you croaks. So yeah. it, it does seem pretty cool, and I, I follow a guy that lives over in South Africa, and he, he's got a bit of a running club, and he set up at the finish line, and I saw a lot of Instagram stuff, and it looks like, a wild time because they that whole thing where it gets to that cutoff and they essentially close it so you don't finish seems brutal but looks like great viewing <laughs> yeah i'd love i'd love to do it one year you in moose you keen Nah, i don't think so maybe off the man does it suit you Nah, it's hard work on the asphalt mate it's not like trails that are soft and there's heaps of yeah. variance in it it's like really difficult and it's not cold either it gets bloody hot over there yeah uh, I, it's not for me I'm i want to learn i want to learn how to train for it that's what i need to find out because it's i think it's yeah completely different sport to um just a marathon well bloody, how far is it uh it's 80, like 87.7 when, yeah, actually, Spies, like when spies has done really freaking well like mm. fastest time ever by an yeah. aussie and we've had some good ones there over 50 and course you, record yeah yeah that's and amazing He's. Yeah. Um, I actually messaged him today because I um I want to do an interview with him, um, largely to find out about his running journey because he's he ran his his marathon PB last year at Gold Coast around two twenty five at forty nine. Yeah. So um yeah, be, I'll try and get him on in the next few weeks. Uh, all right. Do you want to do the listener question? We'll make it real quick. 
So this week's question, uh, favourite taper session leading into the marathon by mm-hmm. B. Hursty. So good question. You can, you can go first, Andy. So I think it's a good one given Gold Coast is like, what, less than two weeks now. So you've pretty much got, you know, you're in those sort of taper sessions now. So what would what's your go-to? Yeah, so it depends on like taper it's very vague. So is it uh, the week of or is it two weeks out? So essentially two weeks out, I like to hit a bit of marathon um, pace because by this stage you've kind of worked out what you want that to be. Uh, So I like to hit maybe up to 6K of marathon pace just to kind of really feel that, what that feels like, get a bit of confidence from it. So that's kind of two weeks out. Um, I do a little bit of stuff before that just to increase, but essentially that volume's coming down but that um your pace is still staying at at marathon pace and then the week before i like to do sessions that aren't measurable so i don't do eight by k because i don't really want to put a measure on where i'm where i'm kind of at whereas i like to do just little things like a mile and some 45 second reps or stuff where it's just purely running to feel you're not checking your watch to see oh how fast am i going how does this compare to when i did this seven, eight, nine, ten weeks ago. So, yeah, that's what that's what I like to do. Yeah. Moose? Yeah. It's, uh, similar, I like to hit marathon pace in pretty much every session leading up uh, in the last two to three weeks. So um, three weeks or two weeks out, I do like on the Sunday, 10K, easy pace, 10K, marathon pace, and then maybe 5K, a little quicker uh and when i say a little quicker like bottom range marathon pace um 10 days might do something like 12 minutes marathon pace six minutes half four minutes 10 um two minutes at 5k just sort of going through the gears a little bit a week out i cut the long run these days like i don't feel like it's any point doing that so we do a workout instead uh marathon pace workout and then i always pretty much do the same thing three or four days out from the marathon, which is eight minutes, six minutes, four minutes, two minutes um, at marathon pace, progressing a little bit quicker. And then you can have nine minutes, like nine, 90 seconds to three minutes kind of rest, depending on how you're feeling. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. So my, in the last two weeks, something like a two by 5k at marathon pace or um, 10k made up of 2k at marathon pace, 5k a bit harder. Quite like that one because it just practices if – well, it's like, you know, you get a little bit excited in the marathon and you start running a little bit faster and then you've got to, like, dial it back into marathon pace again. So do, you know, do that for 10K. And then race week, um, you know, a few two-minute reps early on in the week and then later in the week race warm-up and, like, 3K at marathon pace. And um, that's it. Hayes in the barn. There you go. Bang. Uh, moose on the loose. Oh, I got a quick one. Um, so let me just pull it up. I saw a tweet, a good one during the week. <laughs> Terrible one, to be honest. It's from United States of America. So the USA track and field. So at USA TF. And it is on June 16th. So it says um, it's clearly a sponsored, like they must sponsored post or whatever. Time to supercharge your workouts. USA track and field partner KT Tapes Pro Oxygen combines the durability of KT Tape Pro 
with the power of salient infrared technology. This combo is designed to help make oxygen more available to your cells to unleash your potential. Hashtag crush every workout. So uh, <laughs> this is the national body pro like promoting this um, KT tape, and they're saying that it will help make oxygen more available to your cells. And this is the national body, right? And so the first tweet reply is from Trent Stellingworth, who is like an exercise phys or exercise scientist with Athletics Canada. Can you reference one article to support this? What bullshit? Um, next guy, bravo getting that one past them, KT tape. <laughs> uh, another guy's posted a meme, where is the evidence? Another one, for a guy with a PhD, exercise scientists are literally laughing at you. <laughs> it's, um, oh, can you believe that a national body's just taken money for a tweet like that? Like, where's your integrity? Some horrible stuff. Yeah, it doesn't look great for USA track and field, especially that's a, it's a pretty big business over there. They, they have a lot of money and they have a fair bit of pool and that kind of stuff. So it's. It's yeah, well, that must be some serious money that that company's paid to like get that tweet promoted there. Because Nike don't Nike pay them a heap of money? Yeah, like, massive amounts. Yeah. If if you go on to it's been so that's been like quoted that tweet eighty five times, and I can't imagine much positive stuff. <laughs> is, maybe is, maybe it was the work experience boy that put it up by accident. Uh, oh, his, yeah. His mate, his mate works for KT Tape and he's like, hey, you're on work experience at USATF. Just can you put this up for us. They're getting, they're getting hammered. They're getting hammered in the replies here. I love it. Uh, All right. Another long show, Moose. That's two hours worth. Um, what's coming up? We've got, yeah, Gold Coast live show in less than two weeks. Tickets still available. So jump on to our Instagram uh, bio there for a link. Uh, Road to Gold Coast, they will have finished recording by now. So that'll be up on, um, on Patreon. Uh, what do you got coming up, Andy, in the next couple of weeks? Not much, actually. Just actually a bit of normal training for once. So it's been a while. Um, one thing I forgot to mention in my week, which I was I couldn't believe. And Friday night, I was at home. It was about 8 o'clock, watching the footy. And I hear this knock on the front door. And I'm like, who's this? I wasn't expecting anyone, so I didn't answer it. They keep knocking, they keep knocking. And then they say my name. And I'm like, what? Who is this? I open the door. And it, can you believe it's um, sports integrity to test me? And they've driven all the way from Melbourne just to come to Bendigo to test me. You mean the drug, drug testers? Yes. Yeah. yeah, drug yeah. testers. Overtime rate. They're like, oh yeah, let's see, let's go for a drive, charging yeah. double time. So and what? Was, you just weren't going to answer your door when someone's knocking on it? Well, I feel like who just randomly comes around to your house? These. I thought it was just like a, a door knocker or a yeah. You don't even go and look to see who it is. No, what I wasn't going to. What if it's oh, your dad? That'd call me. Oh, that's a bit. That's weird. I reckon. You reckon? It's just like I don't answer my phone unless I feel like talking to the person. Oh, it's different when they're at your house, though. What if it's someone who's in trouble? Oh, they'll just knock and just they'd yell out or something. But Is that how, first, I, first time you've been tested at home? First time at home, yeah. Because mm. um, I was taken off the the whereabouts list, so I wasn't expecting anyone. And then like, oh no, you're still on the national testing pool for just out of competition 
feel like a big dog when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty big flex when I was telling everyone. So yeah, Mrs. Um, Mrs. would be really impressed by that, I reckon. <laughs> finally thinks you're finally realizes you're any good at something. Yeah, well, I suppose you guys wouldn't be able to uh, understand what that's what that's <laughs> like getting tested. Never happened. Nah, the closest I got was um, having to chaperone underage athletes when I was team manager for Swimming Australia at the Youth Olympic Festival in Sydney. Wouldn't go bragging about that one, mate. <laughs> uh, anyway, what do you got coming up, Moose? Oh, what's this week? I'm not doing anything important. I actually want to get some good training in this week before uh, Gold Coast, before we head up there. Yeah. All right. Um, you guys don't know what any major race is coming up in the next week. I couldn't really think of anything. Oh. Like any no, major not... fun runs, or yeah, I couldn't think of too much between now and Gold Coast. I think it's everyone's just focused on Gold Coast. That's what it mm. seems like here because it's everyone's keen to get out of this cold weather. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got that live show, mate. That'll be good. Tickets going quick. You coming along, Andy? Yeah, I'll be there. Yep. Next, celebrate afterwards, mate. Yeah. And then celebrate Croker's, with some beers. Croker's shout. Yeah, on the rooftop. Good luck with that. <laughs> no, nah, it's free, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, on the rooftop. That's what, yeah, I'll, I'll shout. <laughs> All no, right, I'll, thanks, I'll come along. Thanks, Andy, for uh, yeah giving up a couple of hours on your Monday night. And, um, yeah, looking forward to catching up on the Gold Coast. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. And I'll see you, I'll chat to you next week, Moose, with another guest host. Oh, yeah? Who we got? Mm, don't know. I was thinking of uh, hitting up the milkman again. Oh, yeah. Call him out on some stuff he left out last time, I reckon. Yeah, and I reckon, you know, race week, it'd be good to hear how his last few weeks have gone and how his Perth trip went. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He went to Perth, jogged around ovals all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, ask him, we can ask him yeah. next week if he um, comes back. Yeah. All right. See you, guys. See you. Bye. The Sydney Marathon, presented by ASICS, is Australia's marathon. Join us at the start line this year for an event you'll never forget. Register now at sydneymarathon.com.